end of Rare Book School 1994, a week and a day from tonight, I shall have given five somewhat different versions of this lecture on the bibliographical state of the nation, of which the one tonight, this being Rare Book School week four, is Mark IV. Like its predecessors, tonight's version concerns itself much more with the bibliographical state of the immediate neighborhood in particular than it does with the bibliographical state of the nation as a whole. But a final new, improved, and much longer version, a sixth edition of this lecture, and one with a much wider scope than any of the ones I'm delivering orally during Rare Book School itself, will be published in the 1994 Rare Book School yearbook, copies of which I hope will be in the hands of the Friends of the Book Arts Press by mid-September and sent out to Rare Book School attendees a short time thereafter. Let me begin in the here and now with some miscellaneous facts and figures. There are 92 students, faculty, and staff members in residence at Rare Book School this week, four fewer than last week. Last Sunday, we ordered 103 pounds of cold salad for dinner, and you ate it all. If everyone comes to morning coffee every day this week and to both the mid-morning and mid-afternoon coffee breaks, then collectively we will have been in and out of the press room this week more than 1,300 times. Pity the poor Book Arts Press classroom rug, which gets shampooed every weekend and which needs it. The Rare Book School staff consists of 10 full-time persons, including myself, plus five part-timers for a full-time equivalent total, an FTE total, of somewhat more than 12 persons. And by union standards, the FTE total really is somewhat more than 12 persons, if you factor in the typical rare book, the rare, the typical rare book school workday. We have not quite yet achieved the 40-hour week at rare book school. On occasion, I'm sorry to say, we've come closer to the 40-hour day my hope is that our staff will work no more than 12 hours a day for no more than six days a week during the five weeks of the school, a goal that we have never quite realized, although we're working on it. You've all seen the Rare Book School staff at work this week. David Ferris, Associate Director of the School, Curator of, of Printed Books at the Harvard Law School. James Davis, Rare Books Librarian at UCLA, out of town at the moment as pilot of the van that took Chris Clarkson's Rare Book School class on its field trip to the Walters Art Gallery in Baltimore today. Jonathan Smith, adjunct assistant professor at both the University of Wisconsin at Madison and at Carroll College in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Peter Burns, Kenneth Schwartz, and Kelly Tetterton, all undergraduate or graduate students at UVA, to whom should be added Melissa Kirsch and Marie Bethel, absent at the moment, so that they can prepare for the reception in the Book Arts Press that follows this lecture. And my long-suffering administrative assistant, Catherine Boyd, also absent at the moment. She's the navigator on the van that took Chris Clarkson's class to Baltimore today. Absent or present, I hope you'll agree that the entire Rare Book School staff deserves a round of thanks. are 92 persons in residence this week, of whom 73 are students. 
the staff-student ratio this week is thus almost exactly one to six, one staff member for every six students. There are six faculty members teaching Rare Book School week four for a student-faculty ratio of one to 12. For a student-faculty ratio of 12 to one, excuse me. Of this week's 73 students, 30 have attended Rare Book School before a uh, return rate of 41%. Of those 30 returnees from one or another of the previous 10 Rare Book Schools, 18 were here in Charlottesville for Rare Book School last year. That is, almost exactly 25% of the 73 students taking a course this week also took one here last year. The returnee rate for this year's Rare Books, for this week's Rare Book School students is higher than it was last week about 35% last week as opposed to this year's, uh, to this week's 41%, but lower than it was for the first two weeks of Rare Book School 1994. The recidivism rate was nearly 65% in week one and just over 50% in week two. This kind of a return rate variation is typical in Rare Book School. In one week, there may be a course offered that you can't even apply for until you've taken another Rare Book School course, whereas in another week, as for example, with Albert Derrillet's course this week, there may be uh, a course is attracting almost exclusively full-time, uh, almost exclusively first-time students. Overall, the percentage of returnees will be higher in Rare Book School this year than ever before. The recidivism rate runs usually slightly below 40%. This year, it should be closer to 45%. We're expecting a total of 317 students, 317 different students, in the five weeks of Rare Book School 1994. 14 persons are taking two courses this year. One hardy person is taking three courses, and one particularly hardy person is taking four courses. The grand total of students in courses this year, then, is 334, making this the second largest Rare Book School in the history of the school. Only Rare Book School 1991, the last to be held in New York City, was larger in that only by two or three students. This year in Charlottesville, there will be the equivalent of 32 faculty members in residence over the five weeks, and the faculty-student ratio of Rare Book School 1994 as a whole is somewhat less than 1 to 11. The staff-student ratio over the five weeks averages about 1 to 6. There, incidentally, goes the budget. About 60% of our annual Rare Book School budget goes to pay staff and faculty honoraria, travel, and related expenses. That figure excludes any part of Catherine Boyd's or my salaries, by the way. The Book Arts Press sets up the Rare Book School budget in such a way that Rare Book School pays no indirect expenses at all, either to the Book Arts Press or anybody else. A fine system so far as the RBS financial books go but one with implications for keeping the Book Arts Press ship of state afloat, to which I'll return later in these remarks. Incidentally, the planning manuals invariably say that in summer institutes, when you're developing your budget, your salary and related expenses should not exceed a third of the total. In this respect, Rare Book School, which spends nearly two-thirds of its total budget on salaries and related expenses, diverges considerably from the norm. I like to think that this fact 
helps explain why Rare Book School diverges from most other summer institutes in the quality of what it offers as well. But that's for you to decide. This is the 11th Rare Book School. It has met annually since 1983, with the exception of 1992, a year of transition during which Book Arts Press moved from Columbia University to uh, the University of Virginia. The fortunes of the Book Arts Press and of Rare Book School are closely intertwined. The Book Arts Press is the umbrella group. It is a not-for-profit corporation chartered in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and it owns the equipment, books, and other teaching materials you've seen in this week during your classes and in the Book Arts Press rooms in Alderman. The Book Arts Press is resident at the University of Virginia, and it feels very much at home here. But formally speaking, the press is not an administrative division of the university. As my late mother used to say, I may be a fool, but I'm an old fool. In reestablishing the Book Arts Press at UVA, the press profited mightily from its experiences in extricating itself from Columbia University, where it wasn't at all clear who owned what, almost right up to the day the moving vans came to begin the removal of what eventually amounted to well over 20 tons of material from Butler Library. Below 20 tons, and what do you get? What is the Book Arts Press? I like to think of it as a collection of cottage industries, all having to do, broadly speaking, with the history of the book and related subjects. The cottage industries include a bibliographical laboratory, a summer institute, a modest publication program, a videotape program, an ongoing lecture series and lecture bureau, all held together by a 9,000-name mailing list housed in DBase. The press has its own support group, the Friends of the Book Arts Press. As of 4 o'clock this afternoon, there were 486 Friends of the Book Arts Press. In 1993-94, the Friends contributed $20,685 in cash to the Book Arts Press. Over the past 10 years, the Friends have contributed nearly $100,000 in cash to our operations. This generosity has a direct impact on Rare Book School. Without the Friends of the Book Arts Press, Rare Book School in its present form could not exist. It is as simple as that. Providing exact figures orally in support of this statement is a bit difficult, given the rather rudimentary nature of the Book Arts Press's cash basis budgeting procedures and the overlapping nature of its supplies and equipment accounts. But my working estimate is that in Rare Book School, my working estimate is that Rare Book School last year, RBS 1993, lost about $15,000 on a total budget of 120000 Rare Book School 93 was well attended with 266 students in residence, about 80% of this year's total. The Rare Book School 93 deficit was planned as the inevitable result of an extraordinary number of startup expenses caused by the Book Arts Press move from New York City to Charlottesville. To take a simple example, we needed to re-equip ourselves with a closet full of slide projectors because we no longer had access to the considerable battery of projection equipment owned by the Columbia University School of Library Service, our former home. In week one of Rare Book School 1994, our smallest week this year, we used five of our own Carousel Ectographic 3 
35 millimeter slide projectors and zoom lenses. They cost just over $4,000. The cash donations of the Friends of the Book Arts Press only begin to describe the extent of their generosity to these endeavors. In 93-94, the Friends gave $20,000 plus in cash, but they gave several times that value in gifts in kind, a practice they have continued for many years. A single example may suffice. The total tuition that will be realized from the introductory course in descriptive bibliography that David Ferris, seven lab instructors, and I will be teaching in Rare Book School next week, the total tuition is of $22,000. Each day during the week in which that course runs is divided into four parts, a lecture, a homework period, a closely supervised laboratory session, and a viewing of a museum display of books and objects relevant to that day's subject focus, paper, printing and typography, illustration, book binding, and so on. The museum displays, or just museums as we call them in RBS speak, change daily, and they have their own full-time curator for the week, and need one too. The four museums comprise nearly 300 different segments, different units, each one of which in turn may have as many as several dozen components. Administratively, the introduction to a descriptive bibliography course is the most complicated one offered during Rare Book School. This year, it will be the largest course we've ever offered as well, with 38 students expected. Last year, we figured that just under half a million dollars worth of materials, all owned by the press, were displayed in one or another of the descriptive bibliography museums. The 22,000 will realize from its students' tuition payments would not cover the interest on the dollar value of those materials, let alone any of the course's other expenses. For more than a decade, I have spent several thousand dollars a year on the museum collections, but contributions of gifts in kind from the Friends of the Book Arts Press have made all the difference. After this lecture, take a look round in the bookcases in the dome room here in the rotunda. There are five or 6,000 books owned by the Book Arts Press in this room, and a significant part of them were donated by Friends of the Book Arts Press. We have many reasons to be grateful to them. The Press Room Teaching Collections include about 8,000 books, new and old, complete and not so complete, as well as perhaps 15,000 prints, plus some thousands of leaves of paper, printed in blank, plain and decorated, mostly from books, and generally housed in individual polyester folders. Many of the prints and some of the other materials are cataloged, though we have a long way to go in this department. We have a great many drawers full of supplies and equipment, ranging from several dozen loops and 30 power light scopes to an etching press and a Washington-style vasal flatbed platen press you've seen every day being used as a coffee table to the left of the sink in the Book Arts Press Room. Somebody once described the Book Arts Press as being rather like ancient Herculaneum, valuable things buried just beneath pavement level. These collections are growing constantly. The misfortunes and administrative necessities of other institutions and individuals have frequently benefited the Book Arts Press since we don't mind water-stained leaves from books even after the dog ate the covers. We have some good books. Increasingly, we have some very good books, but mostly our teaching collection consists of laboratory specimens useful precisely because the spine is off, 
or the sewing is showing, or the illustrations have been removed, or the cover's detached. We're always grateful for donations. Several of you arrived at Rare Book School this week with nifty ones, and several more arrived by messenger or in the mail from Gordon Avenue and Elliewood Avenue in Charlottesville, and from West Virginia and New York City and Illinois and elsewhere. Another globe, a great big one, arrived last week just in time for Jack Parker's travel literature course, bringing our total up to three. Our ambition is to have 12 globes, one for each student in the course. It's a rare week when we don't receive a tableful of new, which is to say old, books and related materials for the Book Arts Press collections. One of the great joys of Rare Book School at the University of Virginia is the tireless and enthusiastic support of the University of Virginia Library and of its librarian, Karen Wittenborg, and staff. Of its special collections department and head, Michael Plunkett, and of Catherine Morgan, curator of printed books and their staff, of the Clemens Library and its director, Jim Self, and his staff, of Larry Powell and the Newcomb Hall staff, and of the Rotunda, and I hope you're feeling the capital letters in that phrase, the Rotunda, and its administrator, Carolyn LaQuatra, and her staff. During Rare Book School last year, as many as three classes at once could be found on the second floor of Alderman using special collections material like a housifier. And I suspect that use this year, in fact, I know that use this year is going to be even heavier. Indeed, my own staff was so embarrassed by the amount of Catherine Morgan's time Rare Book School classes took up last week alone that it sent her some store-bought and flowers by way of a very small and inadequate thank you. We're grateful to her and her staff and indeed to all the librarians and libraries at UVA, not excluding uh, the music library, the medical library, and others of, in the satellite buildings. The collections of the UVA libraries in the Alderman and elsewhere on the grounds of the university are a wonderful complement to Rare Book School's own holdings. By and large, the UVA libraries have the treasures and we have the junk. And that's as it should be. Ours is a laboratory collection and we want our materials used, even if that means on occasion using them up. This being said, over the years, the Book Arts Press collections have grown and grown and grown. Thanks to the generosity, or perhaps the guilty conscience, of Columbia University, we lost very little indeed from the collections in the move from New York City to Virginia. On the contrary, our friends sent us with very little prompting more than 3,000 new gifts to help us celebrate our arrival at UVA. The catalog of those gifts will be published this fall. I mentioned earlier that the Book Arts Press is a not-for-profit foundation resident at, though not owned by, the University of Virginia. Obviously, its fortunes and those of myself are pretty closely intertwined. Donors of gifts in cash and kind to Rare Book School and the Book Arts Press may well wish to know about the future of these operations in what is, as I suppose, the unlikely event that I get run over by a rolling press tomorrow. If that should happen, the Book Arts Press becomes the property of five trustees whose responsibility it will be to determine the fate of these collections, Rare Book School and the other cottage industries. The five trustees are Martin Antonetti, 
librarian of the Groyler Club and for many years associate director of Rare Book School and a former student at uh, the Library School at Columbia. James Davis, Rare Books librarian at UCLA and on the Rare Book School staff this year as usual. Ellen Dunlap, the president of the American Antiquarian Society and chief executive officer. Catherine Morgan, curator of Rare Books at UVA. And Nicholas Pickwode, Chief Conservator at Harvard University Library and in residence for his class this week. The five trustees will have stewardship over a collection on which several hundred thousand dollars has been spent over the past 20 years and which is, I suppose, worth considerably more. Their principal function would be to find the most suitable home for those collections. That home may well be the University of Virginia. If I really did get run over by a rolling press tomorrow, I think it almost certainly would be the university. Book Arts Press is very happy here, and I hope it never has to move, whether or not I get run over. But it could move. Thomas Jefferson, our neighbor up the hill, was a great believer in the balance of powers, and so am I. This being said, I wish to emphasize that UVA currently makes a very substantial contribution indeed to the well-being of these operations. In the first instance, as regards my own salary and that of my assistant, Catherine Boyd, one simple example. The financial contribution to Rare Book School as a whole made by the three classes I teach in the school. The total tuition Rare Book School will receive from those three classes is just under $36,000, or slightly more than 20% of the total budget. Nor does Rare Book School pay for the time Catherine Board and I spend each year arranging for new classes and the return of old ones, producing and distributing the Rare Book School brochure. We sent out nearly 50,000 of them this year as usual. Organizing admissions procedures and carrying them out, writing the Vadi Makum before Rare Book School and the yearbook after it, and so on, and on and on. Rare Book School pays no part of our salaries, the responsibility for which rests entirely with the University of Virginia. Substantial as its financial contribution to Rare Book School is, UVA makes an even more substantial contribution as regards space. The Book Arts Press has wonderful spaces in wonderful buildings at the center of the central grounds of the university. Look around you. Columbia University has a rotunda too, but you never saw them giving it to us. So we could mount exhibitions of Book Arts Press collections therein. Shortly after 3.30 tomorrow afternoon, a Rare Book School staff member will come by to administer your course evaluation. I know you'll be exhausted by the end of five days of whatever it is that you've been doing all week, but please pull yourself together and give the evaluation your best effort. Your faculty members read their evaluations carefully, but believe me, not as carefully as I do. The evaluations, which as usual will be published in full, in the 1994 yearbook are the principal planning document for future rare book schools. We all take what you write in them very seriously indeed. After you finish writing the evaluation, I hope you'll come down and join us for a final reception in the uh, Book Arts Press, as usual, where our notions shop will, as usual, be open, and you'll have an opportunity to buy, for a very modest sum, uh, the 1994 Rare Book School mug. You can also buy one of the few remaining copies.
copies of the 1993 Rare Book School mug, and no, they are not cheaper than the 94 mugs, and they are very shortly going to become very much more expensive than the 1994 mugs. You will also have an opportunity to join the Friends of the Book Arts Press, and I'm sure you felt the Indians surrounding the campfire in this respect, and if you haven't, you certainly will. Friends of the Book Arts Press pay $30 a year, for which they uh, receive in return a place on the AAA mailing list of our operations. Friends of the Book Arts Press hear about Rare Book School more than a month before anybody else does, and their applications are always read first. There are now half a dozen courses, a word of warning to the wise, there are now half a dozen Rare Book School courses that you will never get into unless you're a friend of the Book Arts Press because they are always completely subscribed before more general applications can be uh, considered. We also have a category called Close Friends of the Book Arts Press, and shortly I'm going to announce a third class, Best Friends of the Book Arts <laughs> Press, because we have many uh, very generous donors. That being said, one unusual feature of the Friends of the Book Arts Press as an organization is the egalitarian nature of the giving patterns. There were a few particularly generous cash donations last year, but the average contribution was less than $60. This is very much a group of equals, folks like you, mostly in the middle way of life, both chronologically and fiscally, who contribute to the Friends in order to help support something that has relevance to their own career or personal goals and objectives. Twelve students in residence this week already are friends of the Book Arts Press, which means, of course, that 59 of you are not yet friends of the Book Arts Press, a growth opportunity. Those of you in residence or in the neighborhood next week will, I hope, uh, contemplate attending Timothy Barrett's lecture next Monday in Newcomb Hall, excuse me, in Clements uh, Library. Catherine Kais Lieb's lecture in this room on Wednesday. Uh, it should not be necessary for you to attend what will be essentially a repeat of this speech on Thursday in Newcomb Hall. And we hope to see you all next year. I expect that Rare Book School will begin and end at almost exactly the same time next year that it did this year. I think there's a day's difference in the two calendars. That is to say, it will start in the week following the week in which the 4th of July appears. Among the new courses to be offered next year will be a course in the cataloging of graphic arts materials to be taught by Jackie Dooley of the Getty Library, who was in residence last week. A course in research and special collections library management, including both collection development and deaccessioning to be taught by Hank Edelman of Rutgers University, an introduction to rare book librarianship for antiquarian booksellers, to be taught by Richard Landon of the University of Toronto, and a course, Instructor to be Arranged, uh, with the imaginative title of Taste and Technique in Book Collecting, uh, a course addressed at book collectors as such. And I am confident that there will be other new courses as well, as well as the return of our old friends from previous years, including, I am determined, finally, the course in papermaking, which, because of difficulties 
having to do with uh, job changes in the part of the instructors hasn't been offered uh, in several years and for which there is a uh, constant and growing demand. Our most relevant new venture over the next year, or in the next several years really, is tentatively entitled Rare Book School Master Classes. It has long been my thought that what this country needs is courses taught at a serious level by the best person available to teach them within the library having the best collections in the country to support that, that subject. To take an example, a course in 15th century books taught by Paul Needham at the Morgan Library or a course in artist books taught by Eleanor Garvey at Harvard, or a course taught in medieval manuscripts by Lillian Randall at the Walters. I mention these courses because all of them are now in the works. And indeed, the course at the Morgan to be taught by Paul Needham uh, should be offered for the first time next spring. Other courses are in various stages of development, uh, but I think that you can be confident that this is something that is going to begin happening uh, quite soon. Other future plans include notably getting the collections in this room in better shape. This building was extensively altered in 1895 is after a disastrous fire. It was brought back uh, to a state much more nearly resembling its original appearance in the 1970s as a bicentennial project of the university. But as a result of that renovation, the bookcases in the room were filled with books only to show its former function as a library. The books were, as the president of Brown once grimly said in the 1780s, mostly the books that our friends could most easily spare. They were, in fact, books that were least likely to be called for from the Alderman Library because of the difficulties uh, in paging across the street into a room where there are so many public occasions making it inaccessible. As part of the arrangements that brought me here, the Book Arts Press was given this space, and indeed, it has the acid test of our cordless mic. It has all of the space from the dividing line, the, uh, the, the little ledge there up. The, the books from in the bottom two shelves are still those books that our friends could most easily spare and are waiting for the opening of our remote storage facility the Ivy Stacks, so that uh, we have the swing space to work seriously on the Book Arts Press collections. This is, many people would tell you, uh, the principal room of the state. And there are nearly 100,000 people a year in the building. Carolyn, do you know? Something like. Uh, and we can do much better than we're presently doing with exhibition space, especially uh, in the area that is not quadrant down there we, where we actually have the beginnings of an effort 
So when you're back next summer, if you're back next summer, you can expect significant improvement in this department. Other longer, other longer range plans. It has seemed to me since I moved here myself in 1992 that Charlottesville is a particularly appropriate bibliographical retirement community. If Rare Book School is the bibliographical community summer camp, then what we need is a bibliographical county farm. And people giggle when I say this, but you'd be surprised at the number of people who have been in consultation with our retirement community moles. Uh, the principal industry of Charlottesville is the university, as you would imagine. The next most important industry in town is city and state government. This is a county seat. But the third largest industry in Charlottesville is retirement communities. There are four major ones, virtually within walking distance, uh, several of them, uh, not very far away at all, and, and others three or four miles away. And it does seem to me that as we all sink giggling into the Rivanna, that uh, our lives would uh, be significantly improved by bibliographical company. One of the reasons I think why many people come to Rare Book School is that they, in fact, like to talk. Rare Book School speak, and even their loved ones at home have attitudes uh, towards what they do for a living, uh, which range between uh, contemptuous to uh, puzzled bafflement. I was much taken by something described in Greer Allen's week one Rare Book School speech. He was talking about the Yale University printer, Carl Purrington Rollins. Rollins's litany centered around three E's, equipment, experience, and enthusiasm. Increasingly, the Book Arts Press is admirably equipped, and it is, in fact, much better equipped than you might think, because so many of our collections are usable collections. They're not available only Monday through Friday, only 9 through 445, only if the curatorial staff approves. They're here for use, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And those of you who have turned a corner unexpectedly and seen the Rare Book School staff at work after hours know how hard these collections do, in fact, work. At the rate that additional gifts are coming in, uh, you should expect a substantial continuing increase in the value and utility of our equipment and collections. Experience. Rare Book School has been in business for only 11 years, which is just a moment. Think of reading about a 19th century publishing firm that was in business for 11 years, and you think, well, that's not much. It seems a long time to me. It seems a long time uh, ago that we started the Book Arts Press in New York City in 1972, 22 years ago. But we're trying hard to see to it that having arrived, uh, we will continue 
and if uh, our growth patterns over the past 11 years uh, are any instance of this, then our chances for long-range success, I think, are pretty good. Equipment experience, enthusiasm. I have and you have a great debt, among others, to the railroad school faculty. Most of them return year after year, and they certainly don't do it for the money. There were 17 original faculty members in Rare Book School 1983. There were eight courses, two a week offered four weeks, because we had, at the time, only two air-conditioned classrooms. Two instructors for every course, because it seemed utterly inconceivable that any person could teach for six hours a day for five days. One course had three instructors. Nine of the 15 living instructors from Rare Book School 1983 are still teaching in Rare Book School. One of them, Michael Winship, has been here every year since the beginning. Both David Ferris and James Davis have now been on the Rare Book School staff for nearly 10 years. And most of the rest of the staff this year has returned, as indeed virtually all of the faculty. It's hard not to be enthusiastic when surrounded by a crew like this, and I hope you'll come and have a drink with the above. Thank you very much.